We've been looking at the attributes of God through the alphabet, and Z is this morning, and I'm just going to give a word for that. We could probably think of several, but the one I want this morning is zealous, and the devotional just leads us right into that. God is zealous for us. His zeal to redeem us has been wonderful. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. titled the message, Keeping Till He Comes. We all want, we should always want to have the communion service in our church calendar. How often isn't really the issue. I've wondered already how we came to two a year. But I do remember the Jewish calendar where in the spring it was the Passover, and in the fall, it's the Day of Atonement. I don't know if that's where it came from. It doesn't mean that two is the perfect number. But we must keep it in our church calendar. So the title, Keeping Till He Comes. Why do we have communion? To remember. We have good forgetters. And we must remember what Christ has done. We must remember the value of the fellowship that we have with Christ and with each other, and we must remember that he's coming back to take us home someday. Isn't it remarkable, as we think about this this morning, how unworthy we feel, or how we just can't imagine that God sent his son for us? But you think of the saints in the scripture who felt weak and felt they were the worst of sinners. You think of Job who was declared righteous and a man who, who was just, but yet he felt like he was vile at the end of that book. You think of Abraham and how he was special to God, but he also recognized his humanity and his well, his sinfulness. He said at one point he was just dust as dust and ashes. We think of David, friend of God, and yet he felt so unworthy, but he was considered righteous. We think of Daniel, the great prophet, who later in the book of Daniel identifies with his people as sinful, as people who need God in their lives. In the New Testament, we see people as well. We see Peter, we see Paul, those who were saintly. We lift them up as saints, but they recognized that they were the worst of sinners as well. So we come to this communion service remembering that sin has destroyed what God has created perfect, Sin has taken us far from his plan, but we come back and see his provision of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to read 23 to 26. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup 
is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Keeping till he come. This do in remembrance of me. We remember that the broken bread is a symbol of sacrifice. We remember that Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, but he did. He could have called legions of angels to come down and save him. People wondered why he didn't do that. He could have said, this isn't the right time. I don't feel like it. No, he did this because he saw the bigger picture. We see the cup, the blood of Christ, as that symbol of atonement. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And we read in Hebrews, as we were studying in our Sunday school lesson, all those verses that speak about the blood atonement, the need of the blood. And through that, he's able to save us to the utmost. Jesus was eternal, is eternal. He came as a lowly human being, not giving up his glory, but taking on the form of humanity. He says in John 17 that he wanted to be restored his full glory, but he chose to be limited in how he used his glory here. He came, as Philippians says, to be a servant to be one to speak out of God's love and compassion for mankind and then to use his death as the completion of, of the salvation plan. In, in Psalm 22, where it gives prophecies about Jesus, it speaks about him as being as a worm. It speaks of man as being as something that is helpless. And we know that when Jesus was at the judgment hall of Pilate, he was meek. He left things be said and done that he didn't deserve. He wasn't as a snake that rose up in defense. He was as a worm, as Psalm 22 would give us that, that term, as a worm. He appeared helpless, downtrodden, passive while being crushed for us. And yet there was intent, there was purpose, there was meaning to that. So this morning we, we honor Christ's death, his brokenness, his shed blood. And we recognize the necessity of that. 1 Corinthians 11 here speaks too about the need of each other in the verses following 26. About examining ourselves, which we've done, about we... We evaluate our relationship with each other. We evaluate our relationship with other people. And we come there and we recognize the need of taking communion together at the same level. Rich, poor, young, old, we still come at the same place. In this chapter, in verse 33, it says, tarry one for another. <laughs> that phrase stuck out to me, tarry one for another. Why? Because he's saying we're all at the same spot. It doesn't matter where we're at spiritually. 
as far as mature or immature, but is our heart right with God? And I remember when, when Jesus was saying to Peter, I want to wash your feet. And Peter said, no, no, no. And Jesus said to him, you're clean, but not all. And he was referring to the disciples' hearts being right. He was referring to them as being in communion with him. Not perfect, but they were people who were working together with him and for his, his plan. The Bible says we are complete in Christ. We aren't out there floundering around. We have Christ as our, as our guide. We understand what he wants. The question is, how do, we, how do we make that happen? And it's through the brotherhood. So our communion service is not just honoring what Christ has done, but it's honoring what we have in relationship to God and to each other. And so we're evaluating where we are at with each other, the fellowship that we have. We need the fellowship of each other till he comes. I don't want to be out there by myself. We need each other. We have a thought here in this scripture, and as I've had in the title, till he comes. This morning I'd like to spend more time focusing on thinking about that second coming. Thinking about the picture that Jesus gave to us to anticipate the second coming. And he used the Jewish wedding customs to give that picture. When a young man wanted a wife, he spoke to his father and his father and he decided on a young lady. And they went to that young lady's house and they knocked on her door. Likely the father came to the door, maybe not, I'm just trying to imagine now, coming to the door and saying, out here is this young man. He has his cup that is uh, symbolic. I'll speak to that in a little bit. But he had his, his, his father with him, and here he is. He would like you. Do you want me to let him in? And I had that picture of Christ knocking on our door and the idea of us choosing whether we're going to let him in or not. It's a beautiful picture of what happened the day that you and I were convicted of our sin. He was knocking on the door, and we had a choice whether we're going to let him in. We're going to say, I want to accept this offer or not. And as this young man and his father would come in, and the young lady would be there, and she would agree to what it was going to take to become his wife. There was a bride price to be paid. And so they had to work out the agreement with her father as to what the cost was going to be for him to take this bride. The picture of Jesus saying, okay, I must come to earth and I must give my life. That is the price so that I can take the bride, the church, to be with me in glory. And the idea then that when this girl said, yes, I accept, 
And the father says, I accept the bride price. Tradition says they took a cup and they sat down and all four of them drank of that cup. Agreeing that this was the covenant. And taking of that cup and saying, we are all in agreement here. And then the bride-to-be and the groom taking the cup and they together, both drinking, sealing that arrangement. The betrothal was now sealed. It was as if they were married. She was set apart for him. We have again this morning before us the cup. We again have the shed blood of Christ. Again to seal that we are a part of his family. We don't want to take this unworthily. If we're going to scoot out, we don't want to take this cup this morning. But if we're ready to again recognize what he's offered for us and to have it sealed, we take of the cup. Then the young man said to this bride-to-be, I'll come back for you. And he went home. Why did he go home? Because he needed to prepare a place for his bride. And often he prepared a place at his father's home. Sometimes it was maybe not much more than a room. Sometimes it may have been a separate house. He went home and he began to feverishly prepare that place for his bride. He worked. And when he thought it was good enough, it's time to go get my bride, that wasn't, he still couldn't go get his bride. He had to wait for his father to say, it's good enough for your bride. So he prepared until his father came one day and says, well, your little abode is more than a shack. You got what's needed in here. This is respectable. Now you can go get your bride. So the wedding invitations would go out. As the wedding invitations went out, people knew the day. Now it's time to go get the bride. And the bride, she doesn't know when he's coming. She has no idea when he's coming. Sometimes... It says it was up to a year that she had to wait for the groom to come. But every night in her window, she would take her candle and she'd set it up there in her window. So that if tonight was the night, when, she got the, when the groom and his entourage got there, they could look at her window and say, yep, the light's still there. Yes, she's ready. To come to be with me. But if it's not there, they had to turn back. She had changed her mind. The light was not in the window. This thing's all called off. And so the bride-to-be was careful that every night she set that light in her window so that when they came to get her, it was a sign that she was ready to go. And you and I don't know when Jesus is going to call us home, whether it's by an accident, whether it's by a stroke, however, natural death. But is our light in the window? Is our light shining?
Are we letting the light of Jesus shine through us that everyone who goes by my house says, I'm ready. And then as they came, usually at night, we see in Matthew chapter 25 with the ten virgins. We see that they often did it at night. And the groom and his entourage would go to this house. And they would go and blow the trumpet and say, it's time. With their lights or torches and the bride and her friends would gather together and go with them back to his house. And go back to his house, and as they went back to his house, the friends were gathering. How long it was going to take, the guests didn't know. And that's why we have the example in Matthew chapter 25 of the virgins. Some fell asleep during the wait. They didn't know. And when they had not the oil that was needed to keep their lamps burning, they went to look for some, and they missed when the bridegroom and the entourage, the groom and his entourage, when they came back to the house. Yes, brothers and sisters, people have said for years, Jesus is coming back. And people mock that and ridicule that. But we continue on keeping till he comes. Realizing his word has stood before it will stand again. The bridegroom and the bride then joined in a feast. Feast of the marriage Supper of the Lamb. I don't know how it was in Bible times, but today, in Jewish tradition, many of the brides and grooms will fast the day of their wedding. And the first they eat is after they've said their vows and have gotten by themselves, just right after the ceremony, and then they eat their meal. I ask, what's that all about? And it was dealing with forgiveness. At least that's what the Jewish people would say today, is dealing with forgiveness and wanting to start anew as a couple. I don't know if that was a biblical tradition. I'm just saying that's where many of them are today. There's something sacred about entering into this, this wedding feast, into this agreement. And so, you know, we come with some solemnity today, and rightfully so, because we recognize what Jesus has done, the seriousness of that. But we also recognize that there's going to be a wedding supper in the home of our groom. The wedding supper is being planned for, and someday we're going to be there. And we're not going to be allowed to fast. We're not going to be allowed to be somber. We know what John chapter 2 says. When Jesus went to the marriage of Cana, they ran out of food there. 
Oh, what an embarrassment. We know in Matthew 22 where we see that there were people invited to the king's son's wedding and they didn't come. That was a disgrace. But the joyousness that was there for seven days, I don't know how long the marriage supper is going to last. It don't really matter how long it's going to last. But there's going to be that reality. We are keeping this communion service to remember what Jesus has done, to remember what he's doing, but also to remember what he will do for us. Revelation 19 says, Let us be glad and rejoice, give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself, which is the church, has made herself ready. Christ longs for us to be his bride. That's almost unbelievable. But he longs for you and for me, his bride. Christ came to be the bridegroom. Bride is a very special person. The church is very special. And we're going to join in the marriage supper of the Lamb someday. There's joy, there's hope, there's excitement in those words. That there's a marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you have heaven on your mind today? I want you to, as you come to take these emblems, have heaven on your mind. Is your light shining? As oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Let's kneel together for prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to reflect on your call in our lives and what Jesus did on the cross that made us whole again. Thank you for the opportunity to walk in fellowship with you and with brothers and sisters in the Lord till that day when we meet for the ultimate, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Bless the furtherance of this service, in Jesus' name, amen.